Hello and good morning. This is episode 15 of the Hockey News Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. Now, before we get started, we have some news to share. So the first one is, uh, as some of you listeners may know, uh, the Sleepers and Keepers episodes are usually posted on the main thehockeynews.com website. Um, That's not going to happen from now on. Uh, So if you want to find us, uh, please go on to THN.com slash slash NHL slash fantasy, or you can find us on Twitter uh, under Amato underscore Mike and at Jason Chen 16. We'll be posting it on Twitter and X regularly. Uh, The other piece of news is that this is the last episode before the new year. Uh, This is because December 25th and January 1st um, fall on Mondays this year. And this podcast being published on Mondays, we're just going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but rest assured, we will be back. Now, uh, Mike is a bit under the weather today, and I am sure that it has nothing to do with the 7 nothing thrashing of the lease and the pens. How's it going, Mike? Uh, I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. I think I'm, I might have got what uh, Austin Matthews had last night. You know, <laughs> we, were, we were in the same circles, so. Yeah, clearly you're running around in the Leafs dressing room. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we'll get it out. <laughs> Our uh, producer Connor says, this is TJ Brody erasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We still like Brody, just not really relevant in fantasy. I'm sorry. There's something uh, going around for sure. So Yeah, but Mike, I'm with you. So on my fantasy team, I've got Alex Lyon, Jake Ottinger, Joseph Wool, Boone Jenner, and Kyle Connor. Should I jump off a bridge or jump off a skyscraper? <laughs> I don't feel that's, good about this at all. That's a lot of injuries. Hopefully you have a, a lot of IR spots there to, to patchwork that team together. Uh, on a like sort of personal sort of individual strategy note, when you have this many injuries and you're in deep league, do you just kind of hang on and hope they come back even if you don't have enough uh, IR spots for all of them? Or do you really cut bait? What's your strategy? I think it probably depends on the the talent of the player, right? If it's a, obviously if it's like a comparable player, you could find on waivers. You just drop them. But you know, if it's some of the ones you listed, like Kyle Connor, uh, you're probably not going to want to just drop him. Um, but mm-hmm. it's tough. You got to look at it too. Like, you know, can you survive two months with him on your roster if he's occupying a spot that's not not an IR spot? So it's a uh, it's a tough decision. I, I always think. You got to look at it as how bad are they hurting you to keep them versus, you know, how bad is it going to hurt you to drop them? Mm-hmm. So in order to remedy that, I, I made a quick trade. I finally pulled the trigger on Timo Meyer. I'm done with him. Oh, man. So many people are. <laughs> yeah. And so in return, um, as part of like a bigger trade, I won't go through the whole thing, but I got Matt Boldy and Patrick Kane as part of it to make up for Kyle Connor. But I also got Ilya Samsonov and I started him against the Blue Jackets. Ooh. This happens to me every time. I make a trade, and it just hurts me right away. Martin Jones looks like he could be taking over that I net. Who, who would have Do thought we owe it? Martin Jones an apology? I owe Martin Jones many apologies, I, I think, from over the years. But, yeah, he's been, he's been pretty good so far filling in uh, a couple games he started. He came in against, uh, against the Sens in that one game. So, yeah. yeah, he's been pretty good for the Leafs. I think it goes to show you why you always want to have a pretty capable third goalie because – you know, you never know what's going to happen. You can get an injury and then maybe your other option isn't playing very well. So if you have someone with experience, it's really helpful. Yeah, agreed. And you, you're feeling uh, under the weather today, but you didn't take up my suggestion on wearing a paper bag and writing Kyle Dubas on it. <laughs> no, I uh, I do look worse than I normally do, but yeah, no, I, uh, I did not take that up. Tough night for Dubas, that's for sure. Losing to yeah. Martin Jones and an Austin Matthews-less uh, Leafs team, 7 nothing. Sometimes it works like that. Sometimes you're missing a, a key player or a good player, and the team just kind of puts in that extra effort and, and puts in that extra sort of oomph, and, and there's extra motivation to play hard um, because they clearly didn't uh, against the Blue Jackets. Well, didn't doesn't like Bill Simmons have a theory, like the, the Ewing theory or something? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When, uh... the, the Ewing theory, nobody believes in us. So you take out the best player on the team and they're somehow better because they don't need to cater to that one player. And then everyone starts pulling their weight because they can't rely on that one star player to do everything for them. I have to look it up, but I know the Leafs 
have a pretty good record without Austin Matthews, if I remember right. Like, what are you trying to say season. here? <laughs> You're gonna have Leafs Nation on the flames. Trade him for a second pair of D. No, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. I guess maybe everyone's pulling together. I like the lines. They mixed up the lines a lot. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them looked really good. Just different combinations. I thought it was pretty refreshing. Yeah, true. Um, speaking of third string goalies, uh, the biggest news out of this weekend happened just yesterday. Anti-Ranta of the Carolina Hurricanes got waived. I can't say that any of us were surprised that they did something with Ranta, uh, considering they had three goalies to begin the season. But... What was strange is that they have one other goalie under contract who's playing in the ECHL, uh, Yaniv Peretz, a Quebec-born, undrafted prospect. Um, do you wonder what's going on there? Like, are they going to pull a trigger and get another goalie, or are they really going to play Kachekov every game from now on? I feel like either a trade is coming or maybe they know something about Anderson. We don't like maybe yeah, I, thought I saw something that he was in the locker room the other day. So maybe he's doing better. Maybe they, they think he's going to be back at some point, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're not very deep at that position. Um, there was some rumblings yesterday that, you know, teams were interested in uh Vimelka from Arizona. I think he'd mm-hmm. be a really good fit there, but yeah, I think if you have to check off, you're probably pretty excited because now he's like the bonafide, number one but i think they will be probably training for somebody at some point i don't know Mm -hmm. how imminent that is but we'll see yeah i agree and it's not like peretz is like a nobody he did win the ncaa title last year with qpac so it's just that playing in the echl with very little pro experience is probably not one guy you want to rely on but this is pretty drastic for the canes and i i wonder going forward if we're gonna see kachekov improve or or what because that has been really a big part of their struggles. Yeah, and, and that's why it makes you think there might be a trade because, you know, Kachekov has been a bit inconsistent. He still hasn't played that many games, pretty small sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, the Canes, I don't think, have looked as good overall this year at propping goalies up. So, you know, that's another reason. They used to be able to kind of put anybody in there and have success. I mm-hmm. don't know if that's going to be the case now. So I, I could see them grabbing somebody for sure. Yeah, and no matter what goalie they get, whether it's, you know, Vimelka, uh, one of the Columbus goalies, maybe Jake Allen or something like that, you got to think that their fantasy value will get a huge boost playing on Carolina. And you got to keep an eye out on those and be quick on the waiver wire because goalies have been a graveyard this year. Yeah, definitely. Anyone that kind of has any kind of value right now is Mm -hmm. going to be a hot commodity. Yeah. Uh, Same goes in Dallas. Jake Ottinger. A bit of a freak injury, but anyone who's been on the ice and stepped on a puck before know that your groin can give out pretty quickly. And I don't know if it's groin or not, but uh, it seemed pretty serious. Pretty much pulled himself out of the net because he knew something was wrong. That means the stars have to go with Scott Wedgwood going forward. He's always been a really great option uh, as a backup, as a streaming option. Um, He gets a ton of fantasy value now, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he's probably worth a look. I mean, the stars are obviously a good team in front of them that always helps um i had a peek at their their upcoming schedule for the rest of the year it's pretty good they have chicago twice seattle once in there so if it is a short-term thing couple of weeks then maybe wedgewood is a good option i mean just even temporarily Mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of teams that you know need goaltending so yeah i think uh anytime you know, the the starter goes down on a good team you're always quickly trying to grab that that backup goalie I, i think the interesting thing with wedgewood is it's a big difference, you know, playing once every 10 days and playing every night. So we'll see how he kind of kind of fares with that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, pretty decent win-loss record at 6-1, and one, but the save percentage at 9.04 and a goals against above three, it kind of gives you a little uh, pause. Um, but then again, it opens the door also for the other Matt Murray <laughs> to maybe get some fantasy value. Yeah, that would be interesting if he if he takes over the net. But yeah, we'll see. You know, I like the stars. They're probably going to win a fair bit. So even if you know Wedgwood's numbers aren't yeah. the best, the, the um, central's still going to get wins. Yeah, the central is really tight and tough. All of a sudden, yeah, there's a lot of good. There's like a couple of teams that are really strong. And I think a lot of teams that are just good and like you know we don't know what they're going to be. So there's really competitive games every night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, keeping up with goalies, uh, sounds like Philip Grubauer is actually going to be out longer than we think. Uh, I've never been a real fan of Grubauer in fantasy. I just find him really unreliable and also think that season he had with, I think it was the Avs was a real outlier season, but this also puts Joey Decord at the forefront. 
And at the beginning of the season, I my bold prediction was that Decord would take over as a starter uh, by Christmas. Looks like that's going to be true, but I didn't count on Grubauer being injured for that. Um, wh- how do you see Decord's fantasy value play out for the rest of the season? Uh, Decord looks really good right now. I'm not sure how long he can keep it going. I saw somebody tweet. I think it might have been like Scott Malone, one of the Kraken uh, beat writers, was saying mm-hmm. it's like a record for the – for the Krakens, five or six straight games with two goals or less allowed for for Decord. So yeah. that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, also, not been... allowing many shots. I think all three games yeah. he faced twenty five or less. So anytime you can do that, unless you're Carolina, you're probably going to get a pretty good goals against. Yeah, you know he looks a lot better. Um, obviously, I think one of his wins came against Chicago this week. That's when I grabbed him to sort of stream mm-hmm. him because I thought that was a good matchup. But yeah, it'll be. Interesting. I think they have the Stars coming up this week. That'll be a tougher one for them. But, you know, uh, the Kraken have been really looking for a goalie to kind of step up there, right? Like Martin mm-hmm. Jones kind of was able to do it last year a little bit when, when Grubauer struggled. So maybe this is Decor's opportunity to kind, of, to kind of take the net and run with it. We also haven't seen Chris Dreger yet. No. Yeah, I think he's backing up now, obviously, while, yep. uh, while Grubauer's hurt. So he'll probably get in there at some point. He, he had some flashes a couple of years ago, but he's had some injuries. so. Mm-hmm. Right now, it feels like Decord's the the guy to roster there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I rostered Decord a while back, dropped him because I uh, I needed space, but I totally regret it now. Especially considering all the injuries that happened. That God, I hate fantasy hockey sometimes. Yeah, I grabbed him. It was it was kind of lucky because I was debating yesterday who to drop if I was going to mm-hmm. drop Decord or uh, Lion. And I ended up dropping Lyon, who he got hurt in the game. So it's probably the better decision to keep Decord. So, yeah, he's been he's been playing well. I'm glad uh, I'm glad I grabbed him because he's been really helping me. Can we just uh, talk about Lyon for a sec too? Just go sure. off tangent. I feel like the hot streak's over, and it feels like the Wings are pretty stubborn about not giving him the net. Well, when you have three goalies, it's pretty tough to rotate. Like it feels like they're going to give Huso kind of like two out of every three and then Reimer mm-hmm. and Lyon work in there. Um, Lyon actually looked pretty good last night before he got mm-hmm. hurt. He's really only had that one kind of shaky start. Um, yeah. Otherwise he's been pretty solid. So, but they worked, they started working Reimer back in the net. He hadn't played for a while. So I think what I was looking at with him is when you're competing with two other guys for playing time, it's just really tough, right? To, to give a lot of value to your team. Like at the end of the day, um, if you're only playing once a week, once every week and a half, even if those starts are really good, it's really tough to hold. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the other big news from last week was actually Craig Berube getting fired from St. Louis. Uh, third in-season coaching change. And I just wanted to note that the coaching bump seems to be real this year. So the Blues are 2-0 and under Drew Bannister so far. The Oilers are 10-5 and under Chris Knobloch. They had that eight-game winning streak, which, by the way, we talked about at the beginning of the season that if the Oilers rattled off eight straight wins, that no one should be surprised. <laughs> and then the Minnesota Wild, 7-2 and under John Hines. So I wonder if now's the time to go after some Blues. Um, Robert Thomas has been great, but some of their other players have been underperforming so far. And I did notice that Brandon Saad's ice time did go down a little bit. Granted, Drew Bannister hasn't been there that long, but... Sad has always been really overrated, in my opinion, especially in fantasy. But Jake Neighbors' ice time is up. Pavel Buknevich, uh, his ice time is up as well. Yeah, I think Neighbors actually comes out of this not great. I think he's gone from the first line to the third line. Yeah. yeah. Um, power play two now. So I think he's somebody you might look at dropping unless they rejig things again. But I always wonder about the new coach bump. Like, is it? Is it actually tangibly the coach that does something, or is it just like the team, no, like, the Oil- think- like the Oilers can't be that bad for that long, and like eventually yeah. they just like break out of it? Like- I I think there is a bit of impact from the X's and O's, but I do think that because hockey can be such an effort game, like it's so obvious when teams are trying, and if you try, you really have a chance. Um, hockey being as unpredictable predictable as it is. I think when you have a new coach bump, everyone just plays a little harder because one, you want to make a new uh, an impression on the new coach, yeah. and two, you know that after the coaching change, the next thing to change is the roster. Yeah, that's the next step. Yeah, it's all these teams look a lot better. The Wild too, we talked about. They look they look a lot. Gustafson looks a lot better now. He looks like a a hold. Hopefully, uh, 
you know, you didn't drop him because uh, when you have that struggle, he looks really good now. Yeah. If um, Gustafson played like this when Everson was still the coach, Everson would still be the coach. Yeah, he'd still be there for sure. Like that, that's what happens, I think, in probably 90% of coach firings is like they can't get saves, right? Like same with the Oilers. Like, yeah, interplay the way he did last year, they're, you know, mm-hmm. Woodcroft is probably still there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, let's talk about some players. Um, you did mention that you wanted to touch on Brent Burns. Mm. Brent Burns is one of those players that you can't drop because his name's Brent Burns. But man, <laughs> it's getting to the point where how do you keep holding this guy? Like, I think one point in like eight or nine games now, whatever it is. He mm-hmm. hasn't scored since late November. Doesn't um, shoot the puck like he used to. Yeah, and he's going to be 39 in a few months, right? Like, is yeah. this just the first sign of him kind of regressing, right? Like, mm-hmm. who knows? Like, I, I think if you're banking on him to bounce back, uh, it's going to be tricky. You know, I think maybe if you have blocks and hits, there's still some hope in holding on. Hopefully he finds his offense. But, yeah, he does not look uh, like a 60-point, 65-point defenseman anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, he was actually one of the defensemen that I was kind of worried about just for that age thing. Um, and Carolina being, in my opinion, a, a low ceiling fantasy team just because of the way they play. And then bringing in Tony D'Angelo, I just thought there's maybe a little competition for minutes there. Um, they spread out their talent, and it's it, not to say it's thin. But because it's so spread out, it's hard to key on certain guys in fantasy. So I'm with you. I I actually think Brent Burns should be dropped. I don't think people are too enamored with the name anymore. Um, I feel like Timo Meyer is the harder one for me. I I wouldn't have dropped him, but I was really desperately seeking a trade. And the other guy I was thinking of was uh, Alex Ovechkin too. Yeah, it's so tough. It's so tough when you see a player like even Burns, he's like 90, I think like 93, 94% rostered. It's so mm-hmm. tough to drop that player. You know, Ovechkin too. Yeah, there's probably an argument there. Um, you know, unless you're trying to sell them as a buy low to somebody and get get a piece before you drop them. But yeah, it, it's it's been a really tough year for some big name players that aren't aren't really putting up the numbers we're used to. And yeah, sometimes in a one year league, you got to do what you got to do. I think part of this thing too is when you're playing fantasy hockey, you really got to make an effort to watch some of the games. Yeah. So for me, Meyer looks disinterested. I don't think he's going to knock Defoli or Brat off that Hughes line. Uh, Nico Hischier has been a bit of a disappointment this year. So I just don't see how Meyer can get better. And in in banger leagues too, I don't really see the hits. And the same with Ovechkin. Um, I don't see the same shot on the power play. I don't see the same kind of playmaking. I think it's kind of telling that Dylan Strom leads them in goals. And also the hits. Uh, Ovechkin's not hitting like he used to. And I, in fact, on that top line, I'd argue that Tom Wilson might be their best player right now. Yeah, he's had, he's had a good year quietly. Mm-hmm. I think he's been forgotten about a bit because of his injuries. Yeah. But he's, he's playing really well. He's trending for like a major career high in penalty minutes. A uh, good shot and hit totals. He's up to like ten goals, I think. So he's having a great year. But yeah, I think what, you know, we we talked about Washington a lot earlier in the season. Just mm-hmm. not enough talent there. And you know, Ovechkin at his age, it's hard for him to carry a line and carry a group. Now I think he needs to play with some some better players. Yeah, and he, and he hasn't really transformed himself into like a two way player or improved other areas of his game, like Sidney Crosby. I mean, granted, he's still one of pro- arguably the best goal scorer ever. Yeah, and I think there are different players, right? Like Ovechkin, I think his miles are a little bit harder than Crosby's. Like, not to say, you know, Crosby's not a physical player, but, you know, Ovechkin really throws his weight around, right? Like, that that adds up eventually. Um, Crosby's been more of a, you know, just more of a, you know, I think he knows how to avoid contact and, and keep himself in kind of a better position to play. And if you look at Crosby's game, yeah, like you mentioned, like he's really evolved, right? He's a mm-hmm. lot smarter now. Um, some of the things he does are just really crafty. So his game, I think, is a lot better suited to age than Ovechkin's. Yeah, fair enough. Well, this being sort of the end of the year episode, I thought we could recap a little bit. This is the chance to roast ourselves and also to pat ourselves on the back. So uh, 15 episodes in, we've talked plenty of fantasy hockey. We've made plenty of prognostications and predictions. Um, there are a couple players that I was really wrong about. Um, one of them is Connor Brown. 
I thought with the McDavid connection, with the Yuri Otter connection, that he would have at least a respectable fantasy season. Like nothing, nothing, you know, astronomical, but maybe 20 goals, maybe 50 points. Where like in a deep league, you can take a flyer on it on him in the late rounds, and maybe he surprises the upside. But no, this guy is not fantasy relevant at all. Yeah, I was definitely wrong on Connor Brown. Um, I, again, yeah, I, I was with you. Same thing. Playing with McDavid, you figure you got to stumble into at least 20 goals if you're playing with McDavid regularly. Yeah. He had a, a dismal start to the year, went without a point, and seemed like forever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was definitely wrong about Connor Brown. I think another player I was wrong about was uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, I think. Oh, yeah. I thought he could have been an easy 30 goal, 60 point guy, perfect fit with Matthews and Marner. And. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't even know if he has ten points yet. It's been a real struggle there, and you know he's obviously been been moved down to the second group. But yeah, he's one for me that I look back on and, and say, man, I was way off. Yeah, I do remember us kind of debating between Bertuzzi and Michael Bunting, and Bunting Carolina's doing okay. I mean, I mean, at least he's kind of lived up to expectations. It's hard to exceed the numbers or career, set career highs in Carolina playing the way they do. Uh, one other one I have to take a big L on is Elias Samsonov. Oh, yeah. I thought this guy would be really great in fantasy because he'd get a lot of starts. I like Joseph Wool, but I didn't think that they would need to rely on him that much. But it seems like not only has Samsonov lost the job to Joseph Wool, you know, back when he was healthy, but it looks like Martin Jones might be their guy going forward, too. Yeah, I was actually higher on Wool than most. I had him yeah. ranked in my rankings. I, I'm not surprised. I'm su- I'm not surprised where Wool is right now. I'm more surprised that Samsung has played this poorly. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, he looked really good last year. I, I you know, I could have seen him getting a little bit worse, but he's really struggling at times. Sometimes he looks like, you know, he doesn't even know where his net is. So it's been a tough. <laughs> Tough year for him. I'll add, I'll add another goalie. I was way off on uh, Akira Schmid. I thought Schmid would steal that job in oh. New Jersey. I feel like he's had chances. Yeah. New Jersey hasn't been very good. Um, Schmid hasn't been very good. So I thought he would steal that job as a as a good bargain goalie option, but he has not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one player I think we were both kind of wrong about in terms of a bounce back season, Jonathan Huberdeau. Th- this guy is just, I mean... If you're not dropping him, you're really trading him. And I don't even know if you're selling low on this guy. <laughs> I I just think he what we see is what we get right now, where he's just a 60-70 point player and doesn't have a top-tier sort of school goal scorer to pair with. And I think hanging the offense on him and expecting it to carry is just too much of a job for him. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about Huberto lately. I think it was a smart, you know, bet if you were drafting him in the later rounds, depending on where you got him. Because yeah, of course, like you know, he went from you wise, you're not getting shafted on. But I, I do think what you see is what you're going to get. Yeah, well, who, who thought he would have been, you know, trending worse than he was last year? Like, you know, he got 55 points. I think if he got back to like 60, 65, you know, even that getting him late in your draft is probably would have probably been a win. But I think he's in the 40s now. Like he's really lost it and you can't even say like that one year in florida was anomaly like he had four three years before he got 150 points he had a he was scoring an over a 90 point pace so mm-hmm. i think you know he had a pretty good sample i know the system is different in florida and and you know under brunette they played a really high octane pace but he should not be this you know this bad in my opinion <laughs> yeah yeah uh, two goalies i thought were gonna regress but haven't at all although i'm still holding out on Aiden Hill a little bit, but him and Linus Allmark, I didn't think they would keep what what they did last season. Especially, it seems like the Knights weren't that confident bringing back Logan Thompson, basically operating in timeshare. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, I always thought, was a really good goalie. Um, but again, the Bruins just keep surprising everyone. Uh, minus Bergeron, minus Krejci. Um, so it goes to show that goaltending... Zero G actually really works. I mean, I just, I just basically got crushed. Jake Ottinger got injured. Yeah, like I think everybody, you know, likes to write the Bruins off. It feels like for the past five years, I'm never writing them off again. I don't care who's on their <laughs> roster. Like Watch they just regress next season. They just keep rolling. I do. I do think they're not as strong as they were last year, even though they've they've got the numbers to show for it. Like they're really. 
they're really relying on those two goalies now, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. They're part of the team, obviously. But, you know, if those goalies can't keep it going, like I think that Allmark struggled last year in the playoffs, and I think that's really the main reason mm-hmm. why they lost. I wonder if that could could happen again. But, yeah, like the Bruins, um, they just kind of keep trucking along. Allmark could swim in best tandem in the league, probably. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe you I think as far as timeshares go, that's probably one of the best ones. Maybe Hill and Thompson when they're both healthy. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. But, but yeah, they're right up there. Mm-hmm. Are there any of those guys you'd buy low right now, though? <laughs> or would, are you just kind of staying away? Um, those four goalies? Yeah. I have, or just any of the players you mentioned, like even Huberto. Um, oh, I see. Where yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably – like. it's hard to say. Like Samsonov still – Still on a good team, still probably going to play a lot. Like, he seems like... I know. hope you're right, because he's yeah. sitting on my IR spot right now. <laughs> and I, I just can't imagine the Leafs going forward with Martin Jones, like, into the playoffs and deep into the, the season, you know what I mean? No, like, no. When, like, when Joseph like, Wool comes back, I think he's going to grab that number one yeah. job right back. But He, he will, but you got to remember with Wool, like, he's still really young, hasn't played a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't see a scenario where he's going to play, like, 80% of the games. No, no. Like, I feel like Samson's still going to get his chances, and he's been okay, right? Like, he's had some good games and just been inconsistent, so... Well, like, the, the weird thing with Samsonov is, like, we know he has peaks and valleys. I, we've seen the valleys. I don't think we've seen the peaks. Like, there are times, even when he was on the Caps, where I thought, wow, he's really good, and I think the Caps may have gotten a little too impatient with him, but I don't see the sort of outstanding... St- you know, game stealing starts uh, from him this season. No, not this year. Like the best he's ever looked was last year. He was really good at mm-hmm. home in Toronto. Um, he played great against the Lightning in that series. Stole them that series, I think. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he looked really good there. But yeah, you're right. He's not. He has a bit of pillar of consistency. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Now that we've done, you know, beating ourselves up. <laughs> are there any players that you are right about? You want to pat yourself on the back uh, with? Uh, the one I'm kind of most proud of is probably Sean Dersey. I think people thought, wondered um, when he went to Arizona if he would actually be the power play quarterback because they had Moser, they had Valamaki. But Dersey's been just a really great all-around player for him. And I think the Coyotes in general have surprised a lot of people. Yeah, they really have. Uh, Dersey's been been great there. We saw him you know, do pretty well on the second power play with mm-hmm. the Kings and then get when Dowdy was hurt, he played pretty well in mm-hmm. the first unit too. So um, I think that was a good good pick for sure. I think for myself, um, this one might sound weird, but I'm gonna say Jack Hughes. I feel like I was the <laughs> I feel like I was one of the only people that had him at fourth overall in the rankings. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like a lot of people had him, you know, in the lower top ten or round ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's probably been arguably you could have probably argued he's probably the, worthy of the second overall pick this year. Yeah, maybe maybe even the first if he was healthy. So. Um, that's one I was pretty high on. I felt like he had a good chance to get like 115, 120 points. And yeah, without that injury, he might get there. Yeah. I mean, if you're drafting for a keeper league right now, he's easily top three, no? Like behind Connor, McDavid, and maybe Bedard, depending on your standings or settings. Yeah, I think he probably would be like probably be second behind. Well, if if, if it's like a long term keeper league where you mm-hmm. don't have any limits on keepers, mm-hmm. um, I think Bedard's could potentially be number one. Um, but yeah, it's it's using McDavid, I think for for number two, three for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned this before. This was kind of a minor win, but Oliver Ekman Larson. I said uh, this guy once he gets the minutes, once he gets the role, maybe we'll we'll start to see some good things and. He's going to be a guy where he really slowly picks up steam and fantasy. And then once Montour and Ekblad come back, it's time to dump him. And that's how it happened. And um, still oh. skating a little bit, still playing special teams. But overall, I mean, this guy is not the Coyotes version. Still more like the Canucks version. Yeah, and he's actually been holding Montour off a bit. Like Montour has had a quiet start since he got back in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's been okay to hold on to as well. So, so yeah, he's a good one. I was at the Canucks Panthers game, so I was just watching Montour a little bit, and he seems a little out of sync. Like he's bobbling pucks, his passes yeah. aren't there. For a player, I think that thrives on rhythm. Like the more minutes he plays, the better he gets. And for a guy who really is good at carrying the puck and kind of being a rover, I didn't see that much from them. 
Granted, it wasn't a great game from the Panthers or the Canucks, um, but I do wonder, and I do think, that Montour last season was probably, is going to be his best season ever. I would say so. Um, and if he feels like a guy, too, that takes like a little bit of time to get really rolling for some of the mm-hmm. reason you just said there. Like, I think players like that, that roll around the ice, it takes them a long time to really get get comfortable, get a good feel for it. He's only played, you know, maybe 15 games so far. So yeah, um, since he's come back, I'm not too worried about him, although it's he has been pretty quiet offensive. He scored last night, I think, against, uh, mm-hmm. against the Oilers. Had a nice goal. So let's see if that gets him going. Uh, the other one, uh, Andre Kuzmenko. I predicted regression. I think that was an easy yeah. one, though. Um, yeah. In terms of his shooting percentage, that was way too high. But he's playing better now. But still, I really find it hard to believe that he will get anywhere close to what he did last season. And his shooting volume still isn't quite there. Yeah, it's a lack of shots. Um, if he doesn't shoot it as much or if he doesn't really improve on his shot totals from last year, it's impossible not to regress. You know, like 27% last year, that's crazy, crazy high. And, yeah, he's you know he's kind of fallen out of favor. Like, he was on the fourth line the other night. That's, yeah, he's that's been there for ideal. a while. Yeah. Like, they're playing Sam Lafferty uh, with Pedersen. Uh, he got kind of dropped off that line because Pew Suter came back. But Hoglander uh, playing with JT Miller and Brock Bresser, he got benched too. But it wasn't really Kuzmenko that that reaped the benefit of the minutes. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Kuzmenko, especially even though his name is in the trade rumor mill, I don't think the Canucks would move him at five and a half million. That's going to be hard to move. And I, I do think if you're selling him, you're selling him low right now. Yeah, it's not a good time to move him, right? Because what like his value is pretty low right now. What are they going to get for him? You got to get him back to, to putting the puck in. He's still getting power play time. I mean, hopefully <laughs> that that could jumpstart him. But yeah, it's been really disappointing for him. Yeah, yeah. Once Kuzmenko is taken off the power play, you need to drop him because <laughs> that's where he gets his points. Um, play. Looking forward to twenty twenty four. Then, um, are there any players that you think will rebound or regress? One player that I think will rebound, maybe not rebound, but live up to expectations finally, is Nikolai Ehlers. Mm. So him and Shifley, Velarde, carrying the Jets offense, doing really well. Kyle Connor being out long-term, I think this bodes well for Ehlers. But I have been burned by Ehlers so many times. Who hasn't? Man? <laughs> but, like, is there something there? Like, am I just, you know, trying to revise my own bad history with <laughs> Ehlers here? He looks a little more confident to me this year. Um, it looks like the the team, believe, like the coaches, believe in him a little bit more too. That's always a good sign. And yeah, Connor's out, so he's probably going to get featured a little bit more. So yeah, he's he's definitely a player. Um, I think I would look to mm-hmm. as someone like that could have an impact. Um, and he's, he hasn't been bad, right? Like he's he's had some little no. mini streaks, but nothing too substantial. No, but when you're scoring at like a a 50 point pace and playing 14 minutes a night. It's kind of hard to justify sometimes holding him all season, but when he's playing 18 minutes and having line one and power play one and scoring like he has, um, I think it really bodes well. The other two I, I kind of had in mind was uh, one Philip Gustafson. You mentioned him. So with the coaching change and maybe the wild turning around, Gustafson is a really great buy low candidate now and a great turnaround candidate for 2024. And the other one is Matthew Tukchuk. Um, really disappointing so far. Uh, but I wonder if the season goes on, maybe he gets healthier. I know fatigue sets in, but that shooting percentage can't stay that low all season, right? Yeah, that shooting percentage is definitely going to come up. Um, I think Tukchuk's a good option to rebound. I'll even add somebody from the wild. I think Kaprizov is going to get mm. better. I like I like Boldy and uh, Joel Eriksson-Eck with him on that line, I think. I think that's been pretty effective. So I think he's going to have a good good second half as well. Erickson Eck is a crazy good banger league player. He's I'm unbelievable. So he's I unbelievable. I'm yeah. at the point now where, like, yeah, I drafted him in, I don't know what it was, the fifth round, but, like, I'm almost – I ha- I almost have to keep him. Like, yeah. there's nobody – like, I'm debating him or Tim Stutzla. Like, like Erickson Eck is – Stutzla's always going to score more points, though. Right, but, not, like – but like Erickson Eck is good, incredible for faceoffs. Like he's way better for hits, hits and shots. shots. Yeah. Penalty minutes. He's great for, um, power is on power play one. Like it's such a tough one, right? Like Stutzla, mm-hmm. Stutzla hasn't 
been as dominant this year. So like I I, I might not be able to keep him because I've got uh, Jack Hughes. I have to keep. I have Pedersen. I have to keep. Mm-hmm. Still, still was my keeper this year, and I have Evan Bouchard. So, but I just I've I'm just petrified of letting Ericssonette go back into the draft because because <laughs> yeah, you'll never so get him good. back. Yeah, every night like. The other night, or when they played the Canucks on Saturday, like he just a cool like six, seven shots, like sixteen faceoff wins, five hits, like he's just so consistent in every category. How are you doing your fantasy leagues, by the way? And I ask because maybe like if you're out of contention, you can trade one of them for like a pick or something. No, I'm in like fourth out of fourteen in my main one. That's oh. the the one I was just referring to there with the players. So I can't really move them, and we only can keep four players. So yeah, it might have to be like. I don't know, Stutzla or, or Bouchard or because I, I think people for a long time, I don't think as many people were getting wise to Ericsson Eck. Like I think he kind of mm-hmm. fell through the cracks. And now I think people really realize his value. So I don't know how far he'd drop next year if I if I didn't well, keep him, maybe like first couple of rounds. So well, if you listen to this podcast, you'd have been on him early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I just think he's so so consistent and so versatile. Like he, I mm-hmm. think he's one of the most versatile players. Players, yeah. Out there. He, he's sure. like a 60, 65 point player too. It's not like he gets no points, right? So. Yeah. So, like having played in like banger and multi categories for a while now, if you can get a player who scores sixty points and gets you a lot of other categories, that's sort of like the benchmark. If the player is a multi category contributor but he can't get sixty points, then he's a bit of a specialist. And you might as well go extreme, you know, go do, go for like a good ass or something. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I never like to, to take anybody that's getting around like 40, 50 points because, mm-hmm. yeah, it almost feels like a waste unless they're really good at one other thing. Yeah, you're almost better to go for like Goudis or like Nick Delorier or something like that if you want the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I think too, like in my league, we have face-off wins, which makes like Eric Sinek that much more oh, yeah. valuable, right? So yeah, yeah. Pedersen's a little lacking in that one. He is, yeah. He, I always feel like he should have more, but um, he, I think sometimes like they move him out of the circle. Like he's kind of shifts well, around a little bit. Yeah. So like on the power play, he doesn't take the faceoffs normally. Yeah. And like even strength, he does, and he's been working on it, but he's not, not like a Horvat level kind of guy. No. Lot, right. So he's not a double digit faceoff guy. Yeah. Which I love. Like he's more like a six to seven, eight draws winning a game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the Canucks, um, Brock Besser, I love this guy. I just don't think he's going to score at a 60-goal pace all season. I, I do feel a bit of regression coming. And, I mean, Canucks Twitter might melt down if they ever listen to this, but their PDO is extremely high. They just got a recent spike, and I know they're playing really well. But if Besser scores 40, I wouldn't be surprised. But 60, 60 is tough. Yeah, I can't see him getting 60, but... He's never even got 30, right? No. So that's, uh, but I, I could see him getting 40. Like the thing is, the Canucks have banged so many points and Besser's banged so many goals that like you don't have to be that great the rest of the way, right? Hit mm-hmm. some some good numbers there. So yeah, I think Besser is, is somebody that's probably going to regress a bit, but man, he's really firing on all cylinders right now. And, and like he's a good guy to cheer for too, right? Been yeah, exactly. So um, goalie, I think, is going to regress. Uh, I may be in the minority on this, but Connor Ingram, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just don't have a lot of confidence in him. I think the Coyotes are great. I think they've been a really nice story so far. But maybe it changes when Barrett Hayton comes back. And maybe it changes when Jack McBain comes back. But I just don't know how long they can keep this up. Um, what are your thoughts about the Coyotes' goal team? Especially if they play uh, trade Vimelka. Um, I mean, that's a lot of goaltending quality and depth that just gone and they're going to have to lean on Ingram even more and he's never had this kind of workload before. Yeah, that'll be the interesting thing to see if he can keep up his numbers, if he gets more more games and more starts, right? Like what if they trade Vimelka for, you know, a prospect or a good <laughs> player and Ranta to the Canes, right? And then Ranta comes back and can kind of play with Ingram. But yeah, I think Ingram, I have been saying he's going to probably slow down at some point, but he really hasn't. He's had a couple tough games, but mm-hmm. You know, the Coyotes as a whole, there's not a ton of talent on that roster. Like, it's a good roster. It's like mm-hmm. they're getting a lot of young players. But when you look at it, it doesn't really scream, like, playoffs to me. So it feels like no. at some point it's going to be hard to keep it going over 82 games. Kind of almost like the Sabres last year where they 
they had some good stretches and then mm-hmm. by the time like March hit, like they really started slowing down. So we'll see. Yeah. And I think Logan Cooley clearly hasn't hit his stride yet. Still kind of moving no. up and down the lineup. I mean, it's tough for any rookie. Um, but any other regression candidates that you can think of right now? Um, I think like one that I, I wrote about this week, um, like Connor Hellbuck is on an absolute. Oh yeah. He's on right now. Um, he's, there's no way he can keep it going, but like he's had 11, I think 11 straight games above 900, 10 in a row with uh, two goals or less. So he's not going to like regress, regress, but there's no way he can keep that going for the rest of the season. Really? What about Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly? Like I, I, oh, I love them so ones. far, but I'm a little curious. Yeah, they got the Preds are like a weird team. They're suddenly scoring a ton of like Colin Sissons has like 10 goals now. <laughs> like every time I look up, they're just filling the net. Like O'Reilly, yeah. too. I thought he was really talk about players, you know, I was kind of wrong on like O'Reilly, I thought would lose that spot to like Thomas Novak. Um, mm-hmm. as the season went on, like his offense was really slowing mm-hmm. down, but he's looking unbelievable this year. They are mm-hmm. really scoring, so yeah, that's another good one that they probably will slow down a bit yeah like if you told me at the beginning of the year that colton citizens would have 10 goals and cody glass would have one point in 13 games i would have been like what <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> no way. i feel like the preds are always a weird team though they're not, they're always like never that bad and never that good but they can just like kind of always hang around and mm-hmm. this year they seem like they were never that offensive team but this year they seem like they can really score mm-hmm. yeah true all right speaking of which this was just like kind of like an overall observation i had made but i've noticed that hits have gone down a lot this year but block shots have gone all the way up and i wonder if it's just a stylistic change across the league where you know guys just really aren't as engaged physically and i say that even though we just seen like a record amount of boarding penalties (laughs) called or uncalled uh ryan lindgren had a really rough week he got trucked so many times (laughs) but i just think if this is the trend that's going and we'll talk about save percentages just a little bit, but I do think you have to recalibrate for a multi-category leagues where like maybe blocks aren't so hard to get, but hits are. Yeah. And I think you're seeing more now, like you, you really can't throw a hit anymore without causing a huge fracas, right? Like what? Like, <laughs> That's if been it's like not, that for like the past few years though. I know. Think? Like, but now it's like you hit somebody clean. There's a huge like brawl, right? Like it's just, you can't, so I think players are maybe just saying like, you know, what, what's the point of, of trying to go out there and look for hits like that? Or the other thing too, is I think a lot of times when like you throw a hit, you're, you can get yourself out of position pretty easily. Mm. And so I think a lot of coaches preach like, you know, being on the right side of your man, you know, getting back in the defensive zone. So I wonder if like you look at, there's not a lot of like those old school, like four checking players anymore that just mm. kind of go in there hundred miles an hour and, and try and take the puck. So yeah, I think maybe this all is a little bit of a stylistic thing that we're seeing why they're dropping. And to your point, I think fighting majors and misconducts have gone up. So that's yeah. usually a result of guys dropping the gloves after a big hit. And speaking of defensemen who go for the big hit, um, please tell that to Nikita Zadorov <laughs> to not go for the big hit and get himself out of position because there are a lot of guys like that. But that's also why I appreciate players like Jacob Truba who I think is a bit of a throwback. Yeah, he definitely... Um, really mild, great in multi-category leagues, by the way. Yeah, he to put it mildly, he plays right on the edge. Like, a lot of his hits yeah. are, um, you know, like right right there on the line. So mm-hmm. he, he is a very effective player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did mention save percentage. So right now, across the league, entering Sunday's games, all situations, the league save percentage is 899, same as last year. But I think for the... For the sixth or seventh straight season, it's gone down. Previously, it was always above 900. Um, that makes me think that the zero-G strategy and goalies always more precarious than the year before, and it's maybe a position that you don't even need to worry about in drafts going forward, unless you have like a stud. And even then, that's not a sure thing. Yeah, it's like a position you probably always worry about, but at the same time, it's not worth worrying about it because it's so... <laughs> random i think if you look at like every goalie that plays like let's say 20 to 25 games in a season mm-hmm. like they probably had two weeks where they look like a vesna candidate and two mm-hmm. weeks where they look like they don't even belong in the league right mm-hmm. like even shesterkin like look at shesterkin's mm-hmm. like november was pretty pretty good like pretty good numbers and then 
December has been really bad, right? Like just so many highs and lows. Like I think he has four or five games where he's allowed one goal or less, and then four or five games where he's allowed five goals or more or four goals or more. So there's just so many swings with goalies that yeah. it's almost like, and I had this discussion uh, with somebody like in my mailbag this week, like they said, there's so much randomness in goaltending. They're just trying to grab one goalie that they kind of trust. So like this guy had Demko, for example, mm-hmm. and he was saying like, you know, I'm just going to go with him and start him. Hopefully he gets like two to three starts a week. And if I need to grab a streamer, I will. And I'm just going to free up the other spots for skaters. And I've kind of done that too this year. I've had Talbot, who I kind of trust. And then I've had one other goalie kind of with him. So I, so you never really have to, I just think the more goalies you play in a week, the more likely you are to just get your stats like submarine at some point, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's what it like is. My stats was Ilya Samsonov against the Blue yeah. Jackets. Oh, but you know, hindsight being like, oh, well, this is the Leafs' third game in four nights. Maybe I should know better. But like five nothing after what was it? The first two periods. It's like, but, come on. But that's what it is. Like people ask me all the time, who do you who do you like tonight as a goalie? You know, like Decord or you know DeSmith, and I'm like. Go with your gut. Like I, I, I could see Decord like getting a shutout, or I could see him giving up six. Like nothing would surprise me, right? And then I think you get to a point where, you know, like I'm just using those spots for skater spots because the floors of those players on a given night are so much better, right? Like mm-hmm. even if a skater has a bad game, they might get you a couple shots, a couple mm-hmm. hits, whereas a goalie can really sink you, right? So I just try to get a few starts out of my goalies and hope that save percentage numbers are good and that you can compete in like those kind of categories because it's tough it's tough to find consistency there there's not that many no there isn't anyway uh let's go to the mailbag we got one question from well we got two questions we'll start with a question from fuzzy dunlop great lane by the way uh he asks or she i don't know uh time to dump huso for dot 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 uh, Dustin Wolf, Joey Decord, or Eunice Corpusalo dropped Gustafson last week for Ukopeka Lukanen, and that didn't pan out. <laughs> yeah. um, Not a great time to drop uh, Gustafson, but no. So definitely wouldn't drop Huso for Wolf because Markstrom looks like he's healthy back. now. Corpusalo yeah. um, has been not the best. The Sens haven't been good. Like maybe. If you believe in the Kraken, you drop him for Decord. But like with Lion hurt now, it feels like Huso is going to play a little bit more. And Detroit's a, probably a much better team than the Kraken. So yeah, I don't think I'm dropping uh, Huso right now for yeah, any so of those three. If we answered this question last week, I think we'd have a different answer than we have now. But that such is the case with goaltending. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'd probably keep Vili Husto if I do have to drop him. And pick up a goalie. I'd actually go with Decord or Corpusalo. Kind of scares me a little bit. Not that to say that Decord doesn't, but I think the Kraken just trust Decord a lot more than Chris Giger. With the Sens, I can sometimes see a bit of a one A one B timeshare situation uh, happening. And I just again, like you, I don't really trust the Sens. Not that the Kraken are that much better, but you really just have to pick your starts. And I, I do think in the Pacific, I think the Kraken might have more favorable matchups with like the ducks or uh the sharks yeah like decord is the best out of that group for me for sure um corpus worries me too like i don't know how well that that contract's gonna age for him (laughs) but we'll see Mm -hmm. uh second question this is from orbit route hopefully i said that right (laughs) uh he says interesting enough no trades allowed in my league Interesting league, by the way. I could drop Meyer for Villardi, but it seems a shame to do that. And we kind of talked about this. So there's a lot of name recognition. And and I do think that if you're hopeful with Meyer that you shouldn't drop him. He's on a good team in a good situation. And he's shown he can be a good player in the past. Uh, I'd actually trade him if I can, even if you're selling low, which is what I did. And speaking of Velarde, this guy's been incredible since coming back, but we shouldn't be surprised. He was great before he was injured. He was great last year for the Kings as well. Yeah, you should always gauge the trade market before dropping a name like Meyer. But yeah, I don't but he's not allowed crazy. trades in his league, so that's tough. I know that that's the thing. So I, if you if you don't have trades, yeah, you might have to drop him, especially if it's a points league. Like I think you'd be fine well, with Velarde. Especially yeah, like between Meyer and Velarde, who would you rather have? I'd rather have Velarde. So would I. Yeah, right now for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think you have to make the tough call. Um, especially in redraft leagues, this time of the year, sometimes I feel like you just need to make that call quickly. And that way, um, you don't, you're don't you not you know anchored by a really disappointing player 
going into the you know the next coming months and then finding that you have even more ground to catch up on i'd rather just take the risk now see what happens and if a doesn't work out then maybe you find someone else or someone else new pops up down the road yep i think that's a fine strategy Vlardy's good enough now and you can't wait around for, for meyer forever mm-hmm. okay all right so to finish as always our sleeper and keeper uh for basically the rest of the year um well calendar year i should say <laughs> but uh why don't you go ahead all right we talked about the cord um i'm going with him as a sleeper maybe sleeper slash keeper uh if he keeps it going he mm-hmm. might be someone you want to keep long term because he looks pretty good right now and yeah goaltending is at a premium so i would grab him and see where it goes and then uh keeper is going to be sharon govich um yegor sharon govich on quite a goal scoring tear right now um on the flames top line top power play he's been i think he's got six goals in five games now he's on a pretty good run so i would look to him he's also got dual eligibility which always helps yeah so earlier in the season people were roasting the flames for getting sharon govich because he was playing like fourth line minutes and whatnot but now that he's moved up the lineup. I think that bodes really well for him. I think him and Connor Zeri are probably both uh, keepers for the rest of the season. The Zeri, I think, has been one of the biggest surprises in Calgary and, and really worth uh, watching, even if you're not rostering him. Uh, for me, this is short-term. Uh, depends on how long Pavel Zaka is out, but my sleeper is Morgan Geeky on the Bruins. Um, kind of a surprising choice to be the number one center, but you kind of look at his play style, wins, draws, hits, isn't afraid to shoot the puck. I think he fits. Any player that plays alongside Pasternak at even strength and on the power play has a ton of value in my opinion. So I like Morgan Geeky. I know center's a deep position, but if you need a little help, uh, I think he's a great uh, streaming option. My keeper, uh, we mentioned him, Gabe Villardi. A really great uh, number so far, both uh, actual on ice and advanced analytics i think this guy was a breakout star for the kings last season and i think he's just going to continue where he left off with the jets i think playing with shifley and ehlers gives him really really great line mates to play with and the jets have looked so good so far uh tied for first in the central it's a three-way tie for first in the central actually yeah they look good I like, I like the geeky pick too he's uh he's actually had a bit of offense too in the in the last yeah he does pick up a few points so yeah, yeah I, we forget that some of these bottom six players are all like really great scorers in junior or or the ncaa and it's just they had to play a different role uh once they get to the national league yep anyway that's it for episode 15 of the sleepers and keepers fantasy hockey podcast we'd like to wish everyone a happy holiday Thank you for listening. This podcast would not be here without you listeners. Please subscribe, like, and rate. Keep in mind, we're not going away forever. Just a two-week break for Christmas and New Year's Day. You can still find us on the X. Uh, Send us questions. We're both pretty good at responding. Uh, Mike is at Amato underscore Mike, and I'm at Jason Chen 16 We will be back in the new year with a new episode on January 8th. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.